If you'll open your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Mark, book of Mark, the ninth chapter. Hallelujah. If you start with the, in the New Testament, it's Matthew and then Mark. Very easy to find. Mark chapter 9, we're going to start with reading at verse 2. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can uh, whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is, a, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Suddenly, when they had looked around, they saw no one but only Jesus with themselves. Heavenly Father, we pray your blessings upon the reading of the word this morning. We pray, God, that we would have ears to hear, heart to receive, that, Lord, you would open our understanding, that, Lord, your anointing might rest upon each of us, that we might be fed with that heavenly manna that feeds our souls, that we would be edified and lifted up in the spirit and that, God, you might receive glory. Lord, anoint this pastor to preach in Jesus' name. Amen. Open mouth, insert foot. Open mouth, change feet. Peter was kind of known for those kind of things. He was always saying something just a little bit dumb or stupid or I can identify with him, can't you? How many here have said something stupid and then wished you could withdraw it? I have many, many times. And Peter here has again made a glorious statement because he didn't know what else to say. He said, let's build three tabernacles. And Mark seems to apologize for him here. He says he did it because he was afraid. Well, there's probably some truth to that. But I can sympathize with Peter. 
says he didn't know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. Verse 6. And I can't blame Peter too much. If I'd had that kind of an experience, I might have just been a little bit afraid myself. I might have been filled with fear and trembling. Can you imagine having that kind of an experience? Here Jesus is transfigured before him. His clothing becomes sparkling and white as snow. And then to see Moses and Elijah talking with him. You know, there's something about it. We like to relive old experiences. You've probably all seen the cartoon where some guys are out fishing and they're catching fish left and right. And one says to the other, be sure and mark this spot so that we can find our way back here. And the other guy says, yeah, I did. Well, how did you mark it? I painted an X on the water. Well, that's a cartoon I read at one time. But we're, we're a lot that way. We, we like to relive old experiences. We want to get back to that same spot. I've had people running from congregation to congregation, from church to church. They'll, they'll go all over looking to have that same experience that they once had. My wife, when she first got saved, she, she wanted to go to every seminar that came along. <clears throat> and God put a check on her. He said she couldn't, she couldn't uh, have any more until she began to live what, she was already what she'd already received. <clears throat> I think that too many of us want to get back to yesterday. We want to go back to that first experience. Thank God for those experiences. Peter would never forget this experience. Till his dying day, he remembered the experience that took place upon this mountain. <clears throat> but there's something about having a good experience that makes us want to repeat it. How many would like to live through uh, Tuesday night again? Wasn't it great? For you people that missed it, it was great. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'll tell you, when you get Joe and Larry together, something's got to happen. <clears throat> you know, if it had been me, I might have said some dumb thing just about like Peter said. Let's build a church here. <laughs> 
we're having such an experience here, let's build a church. Do you know that you can go all over the Holy Land right now and just about on every spot that is significant in the Bible, they've built a tabernacle of some kind. <clears throat> Mark tells us that Jesus took Peter and James and John with him to a high mountain, verse 2. And some say this mountain, if you were to go to the Holy Land now, they might take you to Mount Tabor, which is in the middle of the plain of Megiddo. Uh, or Megiddo, I guess it is. And uh, this designation probably isn't the right place. And I'll tell you why I think it's not the right place. Because Mark here in, ver in chapter 8, talking about Peter and the experience he had uh, where he had a revelation from God, verse 27, says that they were near Caesarea Philippi. Well, Caesarea Philippi is in the north, and uh, Megiddo is more south. Uh, and, and so we, we need to uh, probably think more along the lines that it was in the north of Galilee. And uh, Tabor was only 1,000 feet high, where, on the other hand, uh, Mount Hermon is about 9,000 feet high. And I, th I think it was probably Mount Hermon. Now, let's look back at this previous occasion here. We see Peter opening mouth, sticking foot in his mouth again. He had a revelation. They, in verse 27, they said, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And he said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah. Uh, some say you're the prophet. Jesus says, no, but who do you say that I am? That's what counts. Who do you believe that I am? And he had a beautiful revelation. There was a still small voice within him that said, this is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. This is the Christ. This is the one you've been looking for. And uh, Jesus started talking about going to the cross. He said, I'm going to have to suffer many things uh, at the hand of men, and they're going to kill me. You see, there was something about the Hebrew mind. They just could not fathom the fact that the Messiah was going to come to suffer. They thought he was going to come and set up his kingdom and rule and reign and everything was going to be beautiful. But the fact that he was going to come and suffer and die on a cross, they didn't understand that. And so when he had this second revelation, when he saw this vision, he also misunderstood. 
Let's build tabernacles here for the three of you. Well, Jesus wasn't ready to set up his kingdom on earth. He said, my kingdom is not of this earth. He was ready to suffer and to die. And Peter just didn't quite understand that. Then I want you to note that they were overshadowed by a cloud. And this cloud that the voice came out of, do you remember when they came out of Egypt, there was a cloud that, that was over the tabernacle, and they called it the Shekinah, the Shekinah glory. This cloud led them for 40 years in the wilderness. And it's the same idea here. Here was the Shekinah. Here was the glory of God. And Jesus transfigured before them, sparkling white. And a voice came out of the Shekinah glory and it said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Imagine the experience. Imagine yourself being there. You might well have said the same thing that, that he said. Peter gets a very bright idea at that time. He says, let's start building. <coughs> the minute you get the experience, let's build. Well, God had some other plans. He had some other things to do first. It's kind of a common reaction, though. Let's build. But I think it's tragic when Christians build on one experience. The Christian life is an ongoing experience. When you get those that build on the fact that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and nothing ever happened from that day forth, all they can remember is 1908, I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Well, praise God, were you baptized in the Holy Ghost today? You see, this is an ongoing experience. Thank God for those, those mountaintop experiences. But God has a work to do. And you'll note that God had something for Peter to do on the downside of the mountain as well as on the mountaintop. On the downside of the mountain, there was a young boy. And this boy, he was possessed. He had a deaf and dumb spirit that kept trying to throw him into the fire and destroy him. And I want to tell you, if he had stayed on the mountaintop, he would not have been there to see this boy delivered, to see this soul saved. And we can't stay on the mountaintop. Thank God for the mountaintop. But we've got to come down. There's a work to do on the other side of the mountain. Hallelujah. You know, there's some people that have never progressed in their religious experience past, now I lay me down to sleep. 
they still use the Bible as a, uh, it's kind of like uh, a bless me, kind of like a, uh, what's the word I want? Like it's magical. And they open it up and they pick one verse. Oh, they got all the truth. We need, to, we need to get grounded in the Word of God. We need to grow in the Word of God. We need to build on something solid. We need to grow in the things of the Lord. We need to progress. Look at Hebrews chapter 5 with me. Verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of the milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And we have some people, even in, in the days when they were writing the scriptures, there were these Hebrews that just never progressed. They, be, they, they were in the baby stage, and they continued to be in the baby stage, even though it had been long enough for them to become teachers, they're still sucking on the milk rather than the solid food for which God has and planned, planned out here for them. Verse 14, But solid food belongs to those who are of full age or who are mature. That, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the this, uh, discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection and that word perfection there is maturity. Let us go on to maturity, not laying again the foundations of repentance and dead works and faith and, uh, toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and the laying on of hands and resurrection from the dead and, uh, uh, e and eternal judgment. See, they, they wanted to live in them old experiences. They wanted to stay where they were at. They didn't want to go on to what God had planned, and God has planned that every one of us would become more like Christ. There is a work to be done. There is a salvation that is for everyone. And we're to go, and we're, we have the words of reconciliation. We're to go and plead with people, be ye reconciled unto God, which is uh, it's, it's the thing that we need to do. We're, we're ambassadors for God. God has sent us to this world with a purpose. And we can't, you know, I love the uh, mountaintop experiences. But God's got a work to do. God's got a work to do. And I like verse 3 there of chapter 6 of Hebrews. It says, and this we will do if God permits. Hallelujah, this church is going to go on. This church is going to do the work that God has sent us to do. If God permits, 
I'd like to see nothing more than a, than a, a church that's doing the will of God. Not just talking about doing the will of God. You see some of a brother in need, you're out there meeting that need. You see a sister who could use some help, you, she, could, she could use some meals bearing it brought into her, you do it. You see someone who's, who's uh, spiritually hungry and they need Christ, you lead them to Christ. That's what it's all about. Hallelujah. We can't treat this Bible as a Chinese fortune cookie. We've got to learn the Word of God. Study to show yourself approved. Workmen that need not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the Word of God. Amen? And that's why we need Sunday school. That's why we need Sunday school teachers. That's why we need Sunday school helpers. That's why we need to have strong uh, teachers in our classes because we want our children to know the truth because the truth will set them free. Amen? And you never get past the stage where you need to come to Sunday school and read and study the Word of God. I'm sitting through the uh, adult class, the adult elective class on uh, Old Testament survey, and uh, it's, it'll be my uh, either third or fourth time through Old Testament survey, but I expect to learn something. Hallelujah. We like all things to be the way they were. We don't want to make... You know, what is it in a human being that they, they struggle against changes? They want everything to stay the same. Hey, come on, I'm no different than you are, and I struggle with it. You, you, you get things the way you want it, and you, and, and you want to stay that way. You don't want to change anything. Why is he making us use the, side, uh, the front entrance? Why can't we use a side entrance like we always used it? Why we got to roll way around the church in the cold? Asking men to wear suits to church. I mean, after all. Asking women, uh, when, when they come to minister up here on the platform, to wear a dress and dress for the occasion. Oh, I mean, we've always done it in Levi's. Why not tonight? Who needs change? Listen, if I was going to go out and represent the... Uh, President of the United States, I would dress for the occasion. Amen? I can see me going up there with holes in my Levi's and, and, and plaid shirt on, open at the collar, shirt tail hanging out, and I'm representing the United States. We represent someone that's greater than the President of the United States. It's not because I want to I have people have a, some kind of a clothing contest. 
When we come, we represent what we think of our God before people. If we, we come in here and we don't think anything of our God, then let's, let's just dress any old way we want. If you don't think God's worth it, don't do it. I, I, I struggle when I see people walk in in shorts. Don't make a face. They did last summer. Amen. There, there was a church up in Spencerport or one place like that. One of the ushers came up taking an offering in shorts. You know why he did it? He wanted to show the rest of the congregation how stupid it looked. We represent Jesus Christ to this community. What do we think of Christ? I think the way we dress, the way we act, the way we conduct ourselves has a lot to, a lot to say to the community. some reason we want to stay the same. I want to put in a put in a restroom down in the basement so that all these here kids with weak kidneys can go down through there when I'm preaching rather than out through here. Amen? I think changes are good. Some changes need to be changed. Hallelujah. You know, it's always been done this way. Let's do it that way. Let's not change anything. Well, I say the perfect hasn't come yet. God's still got more for us. And if we want God's best, then we've got to do our best. Amen? Hallelujah. And you see... Peter couldn't get that through his head. There was still something that had to be done on the downside of the mountain. Down there, Jesus had to suffer and die. You see, there, there, was, a, there was a whole world full of souls that were in bondage. That boy just represented one of them. But there's a whole world with people that are bound the devil's trying to destroy your sons and your daughters. And we need to do something about it. Jesus was willing to go to the cross to provide that salvation. Do you think he enjoyed going to the cross? I think he had a struggle with it, but it was the only way. He did what was necessary. Don't you think that we could do what's necessary? We could pick up our cross and follow him? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, the churches don't talk much about cross-bearing anymore. That drives people out. We want to only talk about good times. Amen. I hope you still love me when this is over with. Because <laughs> I love this congregation. I really do. I think I've got one of the greatest churches of any man in New York State. And I'm not just saying that. I think it's true. I think God has put something together here. And it's going to flourish.
Amen? How many believe that? Amen. This is a good congregation. And I want to take you down to verse 7 here because I, I can't go on forever here. Verse 7 says, This is my beloved son. Hear him. The Greek here means obey and follow. I can't think of any better advice than that. Obey and follow Jesus Christ. If everybody obeyed and followed Jesus Christ, you wouldn't need pastors. You wouldn't. You know, they're only here until the perfect comes. The perfect's going to be when we're all like Jesus. So if everybody was so full of Jesus that they did all the time what, what God wanted them to do, you wouldn't need pastors. You wouldn't need teachers. You wouldn't need prophets. You can read about it over in Ephesians. Amen? Follow Jesus. And the only way you can follow Jesus is you. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. The only way you're going to hear Jesus is through prayer and Bible reading. Getting alone with Jesus. And when Jesus says, I want you to go and take a meal over to sister so-and-so, then he can depend on you. You're obedient. I want you to, to give one of those suits that you got to brother so-and-so who doesn't have anything to wear. Instead of buying yourself a new suit, go, go buy him a suit. Wouldn't it be nice if people were led by the Spirit that way? Amen? Hallelujah. Look at John 4, 34. John 4, 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. If that could just be our verse, my food is to do the will of him that sent me. Do you know we've been sent here to do a job? There's people perishing out there all over. The very next verse he says, do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white to harvest. See, God doesn't want anyone to perish. And if we could just say, my will is God's will. I want to do God's will more than anything else. You know, we got a sign up here that says, 1990, the year of vision. If God would just give us a vision of the perishing. Burn it into our souls. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of thousands daily going to hell with no hope. And we stand with the word of God which says you can have eternal life and he, Jesus says, go. Tell them about it. 
We need a vision. Amen? Without a vision, the people perish. And there's people perishing because the church doesn't have the vision for souls. Let's continue to press in. Let's not stop here because we had a good experience this last week. Let's go on. On to perfection, if God permits. Let's do the will of God. Hallelujah. 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 Let me sum it up by saying this. Let's first of all, this is the month of March. We've had prayer at the first of each month so far this year, and I believe God's moved mightily. We need to have more prayer. There's a prayer wheel back there on that board in the back of the sanctuary. It says, it's time to pray. And we need people signing up for prayer. We want to have prayer around the clock during the month of March. They're half-hour segments. See Nancy. Where's Nancy at? She, she's downstairs, okay. But you need to see Nancy and have her put your name up on that prayer wheel there. And then don't, don't just get your name up there. Pray. Pray for a burden for souls. Pray that the church will have a burden for souls. Pray everybody in this church will have a burden for souls. Amen? Let's get beyond the basics. Amen. There's some basics that we need to teach the young ones, but we need to get beyond the basics. We need to get to doing the will of God. And then last of all, let's get out there and do the work that God sent us to do. Amen. Where would you be if someone hadn't come and told you about Jesus? Brother Saunders, would you close? Hallelujah.